Should, should we should we tell people to listen to this week's pod backwards? Yeah. And they'll find a message. All the good shit. Hail, hail Satan. From Joburg, and joining us today, or me, sorry, I had some wine last night. It's Alex. Alex in Cape Town, how are you? How's it going, Adam? I'm, I'm alright, thanks. I think I'm probably feeling a bit better than you sound. Um, uh, yeah, I had you some. Had a, uh, a, huh? a rough one last night. Uh, no, we had a little mini party um, with curry being the main food, so I've eaten some biryani this morning to right the ship. I have a bit of a headache, but okay. I'm okay. I have been worse. Uh, so we will find out. Uh, and Ben. So we're like, when you get to your 30s, the hair of the dog that bit you is having curry for breakfast, basically. Yeah, yeah. As Ben, ben noted yeah, earlier, I was, I was, I was, I was about to say, Adam, Adam, you're in your 30s, have breakfast food for breakfast. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I sound like making it. Ben, but, but do, do, how are you otherwise? Uh, I'm good. Um, yeah, we got a long weekend because the, the Pope's in Mauritius tomorrow, so oh, it's a public oh. holiday. And then uh, I played a I played a sneaky round of golf yesterday because I went to the golf club to go hit some balls. And then the lady was like, there's a discount. And I was like, oh, screw it. I'll play a sneaky little 18 holes of golf. So I was quite pleased oh, wow. with myself oh, about that. Nice. Yeah. Oh, very good. Just, 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 tell, you, just, just tell Michael um, I, I'm training for the match. I'm training big time. Good. Yeah. No, well, uh, Michael, you heard it here first. Ben's getting ready, so uh, I wish I wish you good luck. Uh, Matt's not here, uh, unfortunately. He uh, he missed the typhoon, so he was not able to make it. We are expecting a guest to join us a little bit later when we when we do some of the previews. Today we're doing New Zealand, Canada, Argentina, and the what's the other one? So I'm looking at the schedule. Russia. Russia. Isn't that what you're doing? I'm doing Canada, aren't I? I'm, I'm doing Russia. No, Adam's doing Canada. Not that that's any indication that Adam knew Canada was one of the things that doesn't mean he's prepared. Yeah, I'm trying to get prepared now uh, as we speak. But a uh, quick preview of what we're going to be chatting about today. Uh, Adam, okay. Adam is, is your preparation just a sheet with Tyler Aldron Aldr- written on it 500 times? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, how did you know, Ben? God, I can't even say his name. Uh, right. Because we... before, when I, before when I was planning to do Canada, that was my preparation. <laughs> He's the key player. <laughs> right, we're going to be uh, talking about some news, uh, previews, what's happened, and then just, uh, just focus a bit on SA versus Japan on Friday, and then just also talk about some of the other scores across the weekend. I know Australia beat some uh, New Zealand drab Tonga, and there's also a few other games I'll get those results shortly. And then a little, a little bit about other rugby, Coca Final, that occurred uh, yesterday here in South Africa, and then we're going to wrap it up. And our guest, we're expecting him on, but we'll, we will see, uh, fingers crossed, uh, that he joins us. So, to launch on the news, uh, first off, on a very sad note, um, Chester Williams, uh, he died this week, unfortunately, due to um, what it looked like what was a cardiac arrest, or um, yeah. let's see here. Heart attack in his uh, Platakulov home. Williams, he was 49, um, and he was obviously a famous member of the 1995 uh, Rugby World Cup team. He was also the only player of color in that team. He scored four tries in the quarterfinal 
against Samoa. Uh, generally speaking, it's, it's been a, well, I don't want to get into the politics, so it's been a pretty uh, hectic week in South Africa for various reasons, and Williams' death is just the last thing that anybody really needed. I actually had the pleasure of interviewing him before when I lived in Cape Town. Early. Yeah, about like uh, nine years oh, that's ago. That's cool. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, one thing you could always say is that he loved rugby. That's for sure. Um, I, I think, what was it about? I must admit, I can't quite remember what the interview was about, but uh, I remember enjoying it. He was, he was a yeah. professional about it. He was like super, sort of like softly spoken. He was like he so was. gentle. Yeah, he was. And like very understated, but like I've literally never heard anyone say a bad word about Chester. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not one to sanitize legacies, right? Um, like with James Small... We all knew what yeah, he was no, about, no. like, and I mean, it's not even no, a criticism. No, but we we're about, we're about calling it like it is. And yeah. by all reports, we've never heard anything negative about Chester. Yeah, and like, that's crazy when you think about someone who's thrust into the limelight in his position as well. Like, it wasn't, his situation was different to everyone else's. So there was so much more pressure on him. And, I mean, you think about, like, you know, not to kind of like beat a, a dead horse or anything like that, but like, a Pirajanchi situation that we discussed last week and the impact that having that kind of pressure on you can really take on like a young person's psyche. Um, it's difficult, I think, not to walk away from a situation like that as a young man and be balanced somehow. You know, there's a lot more James Smalls in the professional sporting arena than there are Chester Williams. And I think that makes him quite, or made him, and will continue to make him in our hearts, quite exceptional. Uh, so... Um. As, as you can probably tell, I was I was quite upset when I heard the news. Um, Chester was was easily one of my greatest It was quite a weird thing because because Adam shared the news on the group and like none of us really spoke about it. We were just like, wow, that's that's shit basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, just getting some. Ooh, uh, just getting some reaction. Oh, sorry. Um, I never answer the house phone because it's normally someone I don't want to speak to. So I'm running away from it. I'm actually quite surprised you uh, have a house phone. Um, yeah, that's that's so retro. Very retro. Old school. Uh, just some, you, know, you know, you know, I, we, I, I, I roller skated up to it with my with my big seventies afro. <laughs> uh, just some reaction from the spring box. Uh, Rassi Rasmus when they heard the news, it's just done a quote. So they were in Kumi. Uh, uh, Oh, geez, I wish Matt was here. He's good with the Japanese names. Uh, Kumagaya uh, and uh, Rusty Rasmus, Springbok coach, he just said this was horrible news to wake up to this morning. Uh, there's a very somber mood. The breakfast room is really unbelievable news. I played with Chester, and many of our management knew him well, and we we're all in shock this morning. Many of our players were too young to remember the 1995 Rugby Cup final, but they have grown up watching highlights of the final out of Chester and know him as a rugby player who became an icon for our country. Uh, only this week, our management team has changed Chester about his plans to come to the tournament and about a ticket to the Rugby World Cup matches. It'll take us some time to get over the shock. Uh, also, South Africa's president, Soro Aposa, he just noted um, in a statement that uh, Chester Williams, and I quote, death at this tender age, he's also Africans bereft of a rugby hero and national role model who still had a great deal to offer his sport and his country. Um, and just the aspect that he was the only player of colour in that 1995 team, um, just the amount of pressure he had to deal with, um, and the legacy thereof uh, as well. So he always carried a very heavy burden as a role model across the country, and I think, as Alex and Ben have intimated to it. He didn't really let anybody down, uh, and apart from also just being an outstanding rugby player as well. So, Chester Williams, uh, you will be missed um, as just another one of the Class 95. They've uh, gone into the great rugby field in the sky, uh, I guess. So, um, and even Corpus Visa, he paid tribute to 
Williams. I'm just trying to bring it up here. Uh, let's see. Uh, he just said, uh, so Chester is a very talented player whom I got to know a little after my brother played with him in the Western Province League Craven Week in the 1980s. Uh, Chester didn't talk much in the field, but he was very passionate about his team and his teammates. He loved the game rugby clearly, uh, dearly, excuse me, and he had the respect of the community uh, for what he achieved. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Chester Williams. So, uh, yeah. Right, uh, let's, I guess let's move on just to something a little bit more. <laughs> now, now for something completely different to sp speak about the old Monty Python maxim. Uh, Steve Hansen, he's back in the news. Ben, you love Steve Hansen, don't you? I'm not a big fan of Steve Hansen, to be honest. Oh, fuck, the dog just escaped. Um, I really need to be more sarcastic. Well, you shared the story with me this morning on the groups. Uh, no, 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 like, like, yeah, but even even a blind squirrel finds a nut. I actually, I respect... Um, <laughs> I respect what what Steve Hansen is saying in this in this particular Indeed. in this he, particular piece. He has blasted world rugby and six nations for lack of pro progress in Pacific rugby. I assume uh, he's just said that he's blamed the blame for the plight of the Pacific Island nations on the unwillingness of world rugby to stand to the six nations and institute a global season. As after the All Blacks demolished Tonga 92-7, uh, George Bridge scoring a whole bunch of tries as well. Uh, Hence, he just said, uh, lip service continues to be paid to the development of rugby in the Pacific Islands, uh, where there is a rich supply of talented athletes, but no frame, framework to improve. Uh, I mean, we, sp we spoke a lot about the World League um, and how the Six Nations were the... Oh, excuse me. Oh, that's a high-risk uh, They were the ones who weren't exactly excited to do the World League. I know some of the smaller unions, such as Italy and Scotland, said they ended up getting relegated. From Six Nations, so it ruined rugby, rugby in the country forever, so on and so forth. Uh, so pretty much commercial reasons stop that. Uh, and just Hansen said that uh, the problem is we've got a Canada that doesn't allow you to do that. We have these wonderful ideas about growing the game, but we don't have an organization at the top that wants to be strong enough to say, righto, this is what we're doing. We're going to have a global season. The Six Nations rule will test rugby programs. They will want to give that up. And until they're prepared to give it up, we're not going to see any progress in the area. Uh, he's right, Alex, pretty much. Uh, I don't see can I can, can I just can I just say just to put some put some numbers behind this because Phil and Ant I know they didn't put out an episode but they were showing us some numbers about average team age versus the number of caps in each squad and it's something I think Australia the average team age was what about I think they they had the highest number of caps they had fourteen hundred caps yes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And and their average their average team age was around about twenty eight. Yeah. And Tonga's average team age was almost thirty. And they had three hundred caps. So if you think about the sort of the contrast, how these guys have had because they're oh, I'm trying to work out. So say I'm just trying to think how many caps are awarded a year. Say a hundred and say almost two hundred caps are awarded a year, yes? For, uh, for, yeah, for like matches. a first-year team. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, so, so that means Tonga have had the equivalent of their whole team, whose average age is 30, have had the equivalent of, say, one and a half years of experience in terms of yeah. that uh, Australian or whatever equivalent team would experience, which is ridiculous if you think about it. Yeah, in the last, in the say, last four years. Yeah, in the last four years. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's crazy. I guess. Like it's, and that's the thing. Like it's, they like they just. It, I don't know if you guys watched the ten fourteen analysis on like the, what the model is for winning a World Cup. Uh, no. Um, 
it's quite a short little video. It's about 10 minutes or so. It's on YouTube. Uh, 1014 is the channel, 1014. Um, and basically, they, they run through a whole lot of series of metrics, exactly like these ones, where they say, they look at all the World Cup winners since 90, uh, since um, 87, and they look at like what their kind of uh, metrics were. So they look at like average age of the of the squad, average number of of, um, of caps in the squad, um, the number of players who sort of survived the four year Rugby World Cup cycle, um, that kind of thing, and they identify basically like what are the kind of parameters you would expect to see from a team that would make them likely within this model to win a World Cup. Uh, so there are a couple of like outliers, such as like '95, where it was the first time South Africa had participated, so there was no real data. But, and then obviously, that, that's kind of... yeah. But then obviously, uh, like 2015 was an anomaly because it was the first time a team had won back to back, and like the squad was pretty much the same, and they were just like ridiculously they broke. They kind of broke the model, to be honest. Um, but like one of the main things they pointed to was like you need to get a, a critical mass of game time under your belt. And for your core, like a, a certain percentage of your team that ends up going to the World Cup, in order to stand at even a small chance of doing well. And like I was watching this, and it was just so abundantly clear how skewed the whole system is towards the Tier 1 nations. And obviously, like they're Tier 1 for a reason, they are the better teams, but there's just no hope for a Tier 2 nation to catch up with them because whenever you do make up like a little bit of ground, like Tonga beating France in 2011 or, you know, Fiji having that magic run uh, like last year, I think when they, they beat a couple of tier one teams and Samoa's beaten tier one teams. Every time you build up like a little bit of momentum, you lose it because you then sit for 12 months playing like test matches against fucking Papua New Guinea or something. Like you don't get to ride the wave and take the guys who are still living that thrill of beating Scotland and then saying to them, cool, play another 80 minutes against Italy. Play another 80 minutes against Argentina. Play another 80 minutes against England. You know, at Twickenham, of all places. And then, in a year's time, you can take that guy to the fucking World Cup and be like, look, dude, you, you've played these guys before. You've done this before. You, this is not like a new thing for you. Um, and you need to keep doing that. Like, you need to keep repeating the cycle of, not just, it doesn't have to be winning. It just needs to be experience and exposure. And slowly but surely, over time, you can make up that ground on the Tier 1 nations. But, it's just simply impossible for tier two nations to do that when they're just not getting game time. They're not getting opportunities for their players to play, least of all against good opposition. And I mean, like Ben pointed out, so this weekend we saw Australia versus Tonga, right? Tonga's got 390. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, sorry. New Zealand versus Tonga. Sorry, yeah, sorry, my bad. New Zealand versus Tonga. Uh, so I'm looking at the, the pictographic that, um, that someone posted and, New Zealand's got 1,195 total caps in their squad. And Tonga's got 395. Well, that, that's also after, after ditching uh, Franks as well, who had another, like, yeah. they would be... Another hundred. So they literally have a third of the experience and an average age of two years plus. That's not... that You're never going to be able to do anything with that. Like... It just it it really upsets me. And all right, I get Steve Hansen calling out the Six Nations, and I think he's right because they are benefiting more than most from the the Pacific Island talent, um, for example, and also Tier Twos in Europe. 
But I, I don't know. Like, I don't think we should pretend like Southern Hemisphere Tier 1 teams are blameless. And I'll be Yo, the whoa, first to whoa. South African Rugby Union. South African Rugby Union's done fuck all to help Namibia, Kenya, um, Botswana, you know, all the other SADC teams that are, are genuinely interested in rugby. Like, Kenya's got a vibrant rugby community, and they always pitch up for the sevens. So, like, where's the assistance from South Africa? Like, why aren't we having, like, mandatory... Nurturing them. Why, why aren't yeah. we putting... Why are, why are Argentina's team in the Curry Cup and not Kenya, Zimbabwe, Namibia? Yeah. Well, Namibia, Namibia's had opportunities there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, but, 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 like, but why, why are we helping Argentina and not our yeah, neighbors? Exactly. But, like, I, I just think there should be, a, like, a standard agreement, a clause that says every calendar year or, like, uh, every, let's say, two calendars, like, every 24 months... Uh, South Africa will travel, will send a Springbok team, an official Springbok team. It doesn't have to be first string, but like proper test, not the, not the Springbok A's or anything like that, to Namibia for at least one test match to be played in Namibia so that you don't you don't expect Namibia to spend money to send their players to Ellis Park or whatever. Sorry, will send his players to Vintuk to play a once-off match against Namibia and do the same with Kenya once every 24 months. Just to stimulate the game, like just to give them game time against proper position, like legitimize the fact that they're putting time and effort into the fucking sport, and we don't just care about them once every four years. Well, but it's time the, to this pretend is, like they are sick. This this is like uh, Lado on the group. So 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 Lado, he was the guy who contributed the Georgian thing. In case anyone missed that, hmm. and he was saying how how honoured he was to watch Scotland play in Georgia, and yeah. Georgia. Georgia are, like, they're a decent rugby team as well. And Scotland aren't New Zealand or whatever. And Lado was genuinely so happy that just Scotland, who would actually make the effort to go to Georgia and play in Georgia. Yeah. And now now you think of the equivalent thing if, you know, if now England had made the effort to go play in Georgia or um, South Africa had made the effort to go play in Kenya or, like, how much it actually means to these smaller nations, you know. Yeah. And their, yeah. their fans and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think enough said about that for now. But we can't go another World Cup cycle just with the status quo. I think we we really need to see a proper effort being made from the Tier One teams in both hemispheres. Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't have said it better myself. Really, and just the fact uh, Namibia is the most clear example. They're just over the border. Really, and we should be doing more to help them. But uh, anyway, it's. Uh, it is what it is. So, uh, moving on. It's a, it's a, it's a surprisingly expensive flight in all fairness, Joe Big Namibia. It think. is actually. Sort that shit out, Alex. Yeah. Um, uh, well, some what of you is. What if we met halfway? What if we met each other at the Orange River and played, like, just on a dirt play, play, Played some Kadakadi dirt rugby. I'm all for that. I think we're too soft. Uh, someone who is not too soft, uh, Oli Cable. He's uh, the Glasgow Warriors have announced that uh, his contract has been extended for another two years. So uh, that means he'll be staying at the Scotstown. Uh, I don't know how it reads until 2022. Sorry, that's way more dramatic than it really was. He has been apparently an integral part of uh, their coaches Dave Rennie squad since arriving in Scotstown in 2017. He's made 30 appearances in all competitions. So, a uh, nice one, Roddy Kibble. He, he ain't coming back. Is, it he, is he planning to play for Scotland? Um, let's see here. Da, 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 da. He doesn't say so, but the answer would be yes. <laughs> At this rate, probably. Oh. I assume so. Mm. 
Uh, another one, Southern News. Fair uh, enough, he wasn't going to play for the Springboks. Hershey Yankees? Yeah. He, he, he's being called up to the Barbarians, as how, as has Tendai and Tuera when they face Fiji later this year uh, at Tukunum. So, nice one, Herschel. Uh, it keeps getting better. And uh, also, someone, well, you know, we, we do make a lot of fun of him, but David Pocock, he says he's going to be finally retiring from international rugby following the end of this World Cup. We were joking that he maybe wouldn't even get get past the Samoa game, but thankfully he did. Um, David Pocock, uh, you you single-handedly won the game along with Bryce Lawrence in 2011 uh, to win the quarterfinal. He's been an outstanding servant and player of the game and also a, a social activist uh, and probably a key man when it comes to PowerPoint presentations, as Matt says in his stead. Uh, he will be missed, gentlemen. Uh, fine rugby player, but uh, do you think he's even going to play in Japan or something like that? Because he, he made the point of saying international rugby. So he's going to play somewhere else. So I, I have a feeling he, he won't be long for this world professional rugby anyway. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not super old, is he? What's uh, he, 31, 32, something like that? Nice yeah. Yeah, so presumably he still has a bit of meat on the bone and... It's it's I, weird because yeah. if he's playing if he plays somewhere else, it'll almost be like he's playing until injury ends his career. Like I don't think he's gonna go out on his own terms if he carries on playing. If you know what I mean. Mm. I don't know. I mean, he's he's one of those guys who's pretty got the body the body of like a thirty five year old with all his injuries. I was saying, so, you know, he's, he's got some he's got some he's got yeah. some city miles on him, huh? Yeah, but like, I reckon, yeah, it, what you said is is fair. Like he. He probably owes it to himself to um, see out his a couple of years, you know, in in the Japanese league or something, where he can get away with being a bit less intense. Um, and I, I don't I don't begrudge retiring players that uh, decision. Um, and I think his retirement from international rugby is somewhat organic. I, I I still think it's super weird to have done it just before the World Cup starts, like. I think he wanted to do it in in Australia. Like, this was their last game before the World Cup, obviously in Australia. So he did it on home turf. But it, I don't know. I, we all we praised Poey a lot, but is anyone else feeling like it's a little bit selfish to announce your retirement before the World Cup and like? Yeah, it's sort of. Uh, no. He's making it a bit about him, isn't he? A little bit. Like, it's yeah. not a huge deal. Like, I'm not trying to demonize, but like, no, you know, just. It's 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 already consistent with what I thought I knew about him. Like for me, I would have expected him to sort of quietly retire and be like, look, it's not a big deal. You know, rugby's been fantastic to me, blah blah blah. But you know, I'm just going to slip off quietly into the sunset. You, you but, never know, but but I I I would guess he uh, he spoke to whatever the coaches, the management, whatever, and said, listen, this is going to be my my last stint with Australia. And then yeah. I would guess the. The PR team maybe handles it from that point. Yeah, uh, it's not a big deal. Like, like, I, thought it was, I thought it was weird timing. Like when I when I saw the headline, I was like, "Geez, okay, he's obviously injured himself again, and is retiring with immediate effect." And then yeah, it was like, oh, wait, I'm, "I'm retiring in a month." You know, oh, okay. No one really no, asked. But, but, but like, keep it to yourself. Oh. because yeah, I, I guess if he retires as Australia gets knocked out the World Cup. Or unlikely wins the World Cup, it'll sort of be lost in the in the fanfare a bit. Or the yeah, but I mean that's fine. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just anyway. So yeah, I think I think we'll we'll likely see him playing a couple of years out either in the NRC in Australia or in Japan. I obviously might do the latter. 
Um, but MRL, yeah, MRL. I want everyone to start going to MRL. Ooh, I'd back it. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely back him in the MRL. You'd yeah. have so much fun. Um, I don't know. Sorry, Adam. I don't know. Were we boring you with talking no. about Pokemon? No, I just. You know, yeah, sorry. I, I do think sorry, it's a bit harsh for you with, with the, the greatest rugby player in the Southern Hemisphere. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do think you're being a bit harsh saying it's selfish. I think one one thing he's proved he's he is. Do, 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 do you think maybe maybe po- maybe Pocock felt he had to be in rugby to to balance the negative karma of Israel Falau, and now Israel Falau's left. Pocock's just like, well, fuck it. Yeah, his you mission, know, like, his like, you know how you can yeah. you can only you can only you can only be as strong as your rivals or you know your enemies push you, and now Falau's gone. He's just like. Talal's gone, Jacques Portrit is gone, wherever he's gone, Pocock's like, I'm no longer needed, like, I can just ride off into the sunset. Mm. Yeah. His mission is complete. Go. My, my planet needs me. <laughs> yeah. uh, is there any other news you guys want to chat about? And we can maybe move on to the previews. Um, uh, news, news always breaks on Sunday night, so there's got to be some huge yeah. bit of news which everyone at the moment is like, why the fuck aren't they talking about that? <laughs> and that's because it broke on Sunday night. Yeah, uh, this is being recorded uh, Sunday morning, South African slash Mauritian time. So uh, just FYI to everybody out there. So look, let's go into uh, let's, let's start with the previews. Can I can I please go first with Canada? I'm I'm actually very prepared. I would, I would love for you to go first because I'm not very prepared. So, uh, Canada. Sorry. Oh. Hang on there, then. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, no, someone wants to get hold of people today. Huh? Okay, cool. Is that your other house phone? <laughs> no, that was a cell phone. <laughs> right. Uh, Canada, they're in Pool B, along with New Zealand. Oh, Africa. just wait, sorry. Can, oh, can we talk about this, the Samsung deal if South Africa wins the World Cup? Uh, I saw that. What is people that? must get out there. What is that? So if you buy, I guess it's certain models of TV, and South Africa win the World Cup, you get your you get a full refund on the TV, and you get to keep the TV, obviously. So I, I should disclaim this by saying that Ben it was your cousin who sent that to me, and uh, he he's been known to lie before, so I don't know if it's true. Um, but it looks pretty legit. It does look legit, but I haven't seen it anywhere else, so who knows. Uh, but yeah, like, if you're not advertising it too hard, it's, yeah, it's worth it. Yo, well, if, if, you, if you want to buy a TV anyway, there's no real risk. Yeah, exactly. You might as well just do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I thought it was a bit cheeky of them to be like, I don't know. Like, I know um, Golf had a thing a while back that if you bought a certain type of driver and then Rory McIlroy won the Masters, you got your money back on that driver. And it seemed the, the Rory McIlroy didn't win, so the promo actually seemed to work quite well. Because a lot of people were like, oh, fuck it, I sort of need a new one. Let me buy it under the under the sort of, um, you know, oh, I'll take a small risk because maybe it'll pay off, and either way I need this thing. So maybe that's the yeah. logic. Yeah, but with golf, you know, there's multiple competitors. South Africa have a, yo, yo, a realistic yo, chance golf, of winning the World Cup. Yo, I would say South Africa have a really, I would say South Africa have what a one in one in five chance of winning the World Cup, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite, quite, quite a high risk strategy. But anyway, I guess it will end up moving TVs. Can can I uh, now do my preview, Ben? I, I wish you would. With your with your, well, no, I need Ben's permission. Adam, Adam please TVs. please do your preview. Just Thanks, stop, Thanks, stop Ben. Stop fucking around. Just do it. Uh, sorry. 
Uh, that uh, Briani's talking to me. So, as I was saying, uh, Canada, very Group B, uh, along with Namibia, Italy, South Africa, and New Zealand. Uh, Canada's World Cup record, they're currently ranked, well, 21st in the world. Uh, they've played 29 games at the World Cup, won seven, drawn two, and lost 20. Uh, they made the quarterfinals in 91. And in 1995, there was a famous sister called the Battle of Butterasmus uh, in Port Elizabeth, where James Dalton got sent off. I think one or two Canadians also um, as well. Who was that South African? Was it Gavin Johnson? Was he the, the Canadian guy? Like, was a South African that played for them? I don't know. But, but they, they, they definitely came to that game with like uh, like an agenda. Just be like, oh, we, we just got to try just out-dirty out them, basically. Which, fair enough, yeah. it's, it's a um, plan. It, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about strengths because Canada have really had a shit time of it over the last year. They've only registered one win from what I could find this year. And, and if you are a Canadian listener, just please let me know if I'm wrong. Where they beat Chile 54-0. Uh, they've just had their last Rugby World Cup warm-up match against the USA. They had a 12-point lead uh, recently, but they botched it. Uh, they ended up losing 2015 to, to the United States. Uh, and they haven't beaten the United States since 2013 as well, so their record hasn't been that great. And also, I, I guess I'm guessing, talking about weaknesses here, Canada only qualified, they were the last team to qualify after they beat Hong Kong to win the uh, repertage tournament in Marseille, and that was in November last year, because uh, over the course of the Pacific Nations Cup and uh, the qualification campaign, uh, they didn't do so good, uh, unfortunately. So there's general weaknesses. Also, last year in 2018, there was a bit of controversy uh, after the Canadian uh, Rugby Authority, which is Rugby Canada, they decided to, uh, or plan to merge the, the sevens team and the 15-a-side teams under the same structure instead of being separate programs. So the, the Canadian players went on strike. Uh, this is around about a year ago. I think the strike came to the end uh, in October, November of 2018. Uh, but this, and the logic for that at the time was because they apparently didn't have the resources to maintain a 7-a-side uh, and a 15-a-side team, and uh, they decided to focus on the 15-man game because to keep World Rugby's funding, which is absolutely critical to keeping the game sustainable in Canada. Um, so from an administrative point of view, it hasn't gone great. They've just barely scraped into the tournament, and they are in one of the strongest groups, which is most unfortunate. Um, look, one of the strengths, I guess you can say, is <laughs> and their key, key forward, Going back to my notes here, where I have Ty Ardron written all over it, just repeatedly. Um, at least he's he's a hell of a player, and he's just the sort of guy. Who's got a, if, you, if you've watched Super Rugby, one thing he does have is engine. Um, he's kind of reminds me of Peter Stiff's toy in that. He just keeps going. So at least as as a talisman, uh, he has them. They have him as a leader. Uh, also, they got uh, sorry, where is it? Uh, the D, DTH Van Merver. He'll be playing in his fourth World Cup. Yeah, he's played in all, mm. all of Car- uh Canada's matches in 2007, 2011, and 2015, and he'll be keen to add to his six World Cup tries. He is 33, and he's played 57 tests uh, over the course of his 13-year international career. That's just another example of how uh, the lesser nations don't get to play as much. Uh, so he'll be involved, as also got a little bit of experience, and I think a lot, a lot in terms of the key back, uh, a lot will rest on the shoulders of their fly-half Peter Nelson, who uh, made his debut only this year in July the Pacific Nations Cup. He's uh, Irish. He's a former Irish under-20 flower half uh, and fullback. And he qualified for Canadian citizenship via his, well, they say bloodlines in this one article. Ugh. He has made 60 appearances uh, for Ulster, but, and he played there for eight seasons. So, And he's a left-footed kicker, quite versatile, and I think just brings a bit of quality 
uh, in addition to uh, the Canucks, as they are named. Uh, obviously, the key match will be against, and it's going to be a, a humbling in Namibia. Uh, I'm just sure, I don't know when that match is actually. Canada versus Namibia rugby. That match will be. Oh, thanks, thanks Ultimate Rugby. Yeah, Ben, you're quite right. It was high risk eating eating that uh, that biryani. I'm not feeling so good right now. Uh, the uh, October 13th, they're, they're very close towards the end of wrapping up the pool stage. But unfortunately, I do see Canada, they're going to struggle very much so against the Africa New Zealand. Uh, maybe against Italy. Um, it's one of the rare occasions where you could say Italy heavy favorites to, to beat Canada. Uh, I felt weird even saying so. So my prediction is that I, I, they'll probably finish fifth uh, last uh, in their pool. Um, also, I just think... Jenny speaking. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Alex is glowing about that first ever Namibian World Cup victory. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, so, I'm so here for it. That, that's where it's, it's going to so happen. Um, and yeah, I just the Canada. They, they, they look, apart from Russia, who got beaten by that Jersey club side last week, they're looking among the weakest of the of the qualifiers, uh, which is quite sad to say because they used to be well a mini powerhouse in the in their own right. Uh, the fact they haven't beaten the USA uh, for six or seven years, I think, just tells you a lot about the state of Canadian rugby, so things might get a little bit messy. But look, um, Tyler Ardron's there, uh, DTH by the Merve, you can check him out, Peter Nelson. Um, I just think they're going to struggle, especially against teams, just well-organized, big teams like South Africa and New Zealand. It could get a little bit messy, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I know Squidge has actually got a video about what went wrong with Canadian rugby. I tried watching it before this preview began. I couldn't, I didn't finish it or get very far. So I can say I didn't uh, borrow any of his IP guys. So, uh, that, yeah, that's Canada. Uh, Nutshell, they're going to have a very tough World Cup. And Namibia will, should probably register their first World Cup win this year. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I I'm obviously agree, but I'm biased. Okay. Yeah, um, okay. yeah I'm, I'm going to say Canada are still the favourites for that game. We can make a little bit about mm. it. Yeah, yeah I'll, 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 I'll put some money on that, is. Okay. Yeah. All right. uh, I get to I get to name your I get to name your child if Canada win. Uh, ben, can you tell us about the <laughs> the Bears, the team? Uh, yeah, there, there is a bear somehow involved. Um, no, I was, was yeah, going to say um, that's very, I, I that's very stereotypical, but if it turns out to be true, then so be it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Russia. Speaking of tough World Cups, Russia. Um, yeah, firstly, how they got to the World Cup was just completely bizarre. Because basically there was a qualifying group. It was Belgium, Spain, Romania, and Russia were in a group, okay? Mm-hmm. Then Belgium and Spain, I, correct, I, might, I might be wrong here, but Belgium and Spain were playing... And if Belgium won, we, we, they, they were the they were the clear favourite. Yeah. Then um, then um, Belgium would go through. But if Spain won, Romania would go through. It was one of those sort of situations. Okay? Yes. Yes. Then there was a Romanian ref, and yeah. the Romanian ref just blew arguably the dodgiest game of rugby ever. So yeah. world rugby world rugby ended up completely nullifying that result. Okay. And then they said, no, they have to replay. In the meantime, Spain, uh, Romania complained that Belgium actually was were fielding illegal players because they, they fielded guys who'd actually had representative caps for France. 
Then it turns out that Romania were also playing a guy who'd played for Fiji, and Spain were playing someone who'd played for Italy, I think. So basically, all three of those, all three of those clubs were disqualified. All three of those teams were disqualified from the from the um, qualification. And Russia, out of nowhere, having not won a single game in the group, and now qualified for the World Cup. So actually, it was like Russia shouldn't even be there by all yeah. by all like estimations. Russia, Russia yeah, don't deserve right. to be there. And, and that's how we have this sort of gap where it's the top twenty teams. But Russia's ranked, I think, 21 or 22 or something. So they, they, they really shouldn't be there. And I think they did indicate that by getting severely thumped by that um, <laughs> Jersey second-tier club side. Who I don't know. Like what are those? That, yeah, that that's pretty. Like mm. that's pretty piss poor from Russia, really. So essentially, the, the yeah, uh, campaign was uh, they, they played Russian roulette. Um, and they like low, yeah. and they low, but they, instead of having like only one bullet in the gun, they had five, and they and they said yeah, yeah. And they gave yeah. the gun to the guy to the left, and they were the, and they were the yeah. sixth person. <laughs> yeah, like no, you, you are our guest. You should play first. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but, like, uh, like it, it was. It, it sounded. It sounded completely. It was. It was almost too too ridiculous to make up kind of thing. Like yeah. I was actually really yeah, so, so, you you kept jumping from nationality to nationality. I'm like, what? It's like really yeah, yeah, because cause that's the thing. Like when I was reading about this, I was like, what the fuck does this even have to do with Russia? And then just at yeah. the end, they sort of appear and be like, ha, we're in the World Cup now, <laughs> which which does sort of reek of a communist era corruption, to be honest. But anyway, R- Russia, Russia for. Uh, for better or for worse, or can I just jump in? I, it would be remiss of me not to to correct you, Ben, because in terms of the rankings, uh, Namibia is actually the lowest ranked team at the World Cup, ranked twenty three. Yeah, and Russia's Russia's ranked twenty. Oh, so, oh, so, so Russia on, technically should be there. Russia technically should be there, but Spain and Romania are both ranked above them. So you're right about that. Um. But it's Russia, it's, it's Canada and Namibia who are ranked 21 and 23, who are like the, who the fuck invited these guys to the party team. Then I would guess, then I would guess Belgium's 22. Belgium's 27. Oh, then I don't know how they were even involved in this situation. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah, no, no, but, but it's like region, because Namibia essentially competes with Kenya for their qualification spot, huh? Uh, yeah, so so Namibia yeah. is in yeah, because it's Africa. like regional sort of qualifiers, isn't yeah, it's it? The regional qualifier, but then there's the um, the repechage, which is how Canada got in, because yeah, Canada missed out on, on, on the North America slot to to the US, and then yeah, Canada had to beat out Hong Kong, Germany, and uh, and Kenya. So Ger- Germany had no right to be in the repechage. Germany followed up with Russia because they Russia took the Europe slot, then yeah. and Spain, so, so, so actually, and Belgium. Spain or Romania should have been in the repertoire. Well, they should have been in Russia, the... and then Russia or Romania or whichever one was left. Yeah, so, over. so Russia took first place. Germany took yeah, but basically it was it was pretty much a massive fuck up. But anyway, Russia are there for 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 better or for worse. Um, so their their strengths. Uh, I've watched a few things and read a bit about them. So they have like a, a balls to the wall attacking style of play. Like they just go for it. I think so. They didn't qualify in 2015, 
But in 2011, they scored three tries versus Australia, which is really impressive if you think about it. And they mm. scored like they scored a few tries against Italy, but then obviously getting to their – I'll get to their weaknesses later. Um, they've got quite an interesting guy as their coach, uh, Lynn Jones. He's a Welshman. And apparently he's very he's very innovative. He's kind of like you know, you know like spit in the face of convention. We're gonna try it. We're gonna attack balls to the wall. We don't care. Like we're gonna try cross kicks. We're gonna try like you know like every. He he's almost he's like disrespectful to the bigger nations in a way, which I think as a as a minnow that is kind of how you have to approach the World Cup. Just play completely, sort of unapologetically, but. There is like a there's a lot of weird stories with this Lynn Jones guy. Like apparently he once went to Shane Williams and asked him how big his dick was. And then and he and you also this is from Squidge. And then apparently once in a press conference he just had his pants unzipped for some reason. Like mm, he's a lad. Yeah, yeah, he's a he does he does sound like a bit of a more like a bit, a bit of a. Yeah, a, a bit, a, a bit of a, a bit of a wild child. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, uh, there's him. Um, their weaknesses, kind of conversely with this attacking style of play, is that they don't, they not super big on defence. They, for every try they score, they're going to concede two or three. To be honest, like they, they are. It's going to make for some interesting rugby, and I wouldn't be surprised if they weirdly won like try of the tournament or something. But at the same time, they, I think they're going to be they're going to be dicked on to a serious level. Like, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess we see three score lines over 50 points against them. Yeah. So um, uh, there's that. Then what else we got? Um, oh yeah, the 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 key players. Um, just going going with sort of their. Um, their kind of uh, attacking style of rugby, they they play wide, so so the wings are really their key players. So they got a Vasily Vasily Atamev, mm-hmm. who he's actually like a proper rugby player. He went to Blackrock College in Ireland, which is like a it's a bit of a kind of like their version of like Greybloom or Poros or one of those. So like O'Driscoll went there, Carberry went there, like a few big names, and now he plays for Northampton in the Premiership. So he is he's I think he. Their only professional rugby player, or like prop, like first tier professional rugby player. So yeah, he he's exciting. He's got good feet. He's he's relatively experienced. So I would guess their their game plan will be predominantly trying to shift it to him. Then on the other wing, they've got a Simpla Ketovic, Kotovic. I don't know who's like. He's like he looks like Johnny May or George North or one of those guys. He's just like a a big wing. So. This I think kind of ties into their kind of free flowing game plan that they're gonna they're gonna want those guys to have the board as much as possible. Then with their forwards they have a, a Valerie Malodov, who is a loose head prop, who is kind of like Tani Latupo, like the you know the, the the very poor man, like you know the communist queuing for bread kind of Tani Latupo. Um, yeah, so he'll. Um, he, he like like I've watched a few videos of him and he, he's very good in loose play. I, I don't know how his scrumming is. <laughs> Maybe it's good. Let's pretend it's good. <laughs> then they have a, a Victor Victor Greshev, who's a number eight, who's got a hundred calf for Russia. So he's kind of like I think he's going to be their sort of their kind of talisman kind of guy. Oh, not so much a talisman, but he's going to um, 
sort of be leading the them experience wise. Then they have a TR Gashev, Gashev, something like that. Anyway, the, the, this guy, this guy Squidge really fancies him. He says he's a, he says he's a very violent man who's found an outlet. He's kind of your typical hardworking open side flank. Like he makes a lot of meters. He's good in support. He's often over the ball. And Squidge reckons he's going to, after this World Cup, he's going to be picked up by a big French or a big English team. He's reckons he's a, he's the real deal. And I completely tr- trust Squidge in all things. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It is something we, we haven't talked about with these smaller teams is the players often use it as like a, like a launching point for their career. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, uh, remember Garamaru after 2015. Yeah. But he, and then when he moved to wherever he moved after that, he was like one of the highest paid players in rugby. Like it was a proper, um, but then also uh, remember, remember in Guenya from the, from Zimbabwe, yeah. uh, not Zimbabwe, well, from America, yes, from Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. Um, yeah, he remember he got picked up after the World Cup, and apparently there's there's big talk on the the Uruguayan hooker. They reckon he's gonna he's gonna be bumped okay. up this, this this Russian flank. So yeah, it is it is an interesting thing, sort of, yeah. because obviously you can as a club you can pick up these guys for relatively cheap, I would guess. Yeah. But, but and it's yeah, a double-edged sword, Ben, because because then what happens in four years' time is that that Uruguayan hooker is then going to turn around and say, I've already got the contract that I wanted. Um, I can't risk going to another World Cup and getting injured. Yeah. And that's what's happened with Rikus Bothma, the Namibian flanker, who's one of the key players for Namibia. And he's now taken up a contract with Harlequins, and he's just retired from international rugby two, two to three weeks before the World Cup, which... Everyone assumed, we don't know for sure, but everyone assumed he was going to be in the final squad for Namibia. It's the same with Nemanja Nadolo. Obviously, he was going to the World Cup for Fiji if he was available. So he had to make himself unavailable to to guarantee his professional future. Because if he goes and plays a game for Fiji, gets injured, breaks a leg or something, well, suddenly Montpellier's got no interest in him anymore. And his... Yeah. Paychecks are coming from club rugby, not from international rugby. So, sorry, I know it's a bit of a tangent, but it's just it's, no, yeah, no, 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 of... no. It's, it is, it is, it is fair comment. So it's sort of balancing the rights of the the country versus the rights of the individual player, sort of to make a career out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it, it ties back to what we were saying about tier one, tier two nations. Like, then we need to find a way to make it viable for tier two nation players to stay playing for their countries, um, not just like long term, but also in the first place, like we shouldn't be seeing this influx of Pacific Islanders to Northern Hemisphere, like national teams. It should be a viable option for like the Woody Polos to turn out for both Saracens and Samoa. You, don't, you shouldn't no, have no. to convert, you know, and then so uh, like, sh- like I shouldn't said, have to yeah. change countries. No, yeah, no, no. Because if, if you look at, if you look at professional football, it's like that. You know, like a guy like whatever Didier Drogba, he yeah. would go back and play for the Ivory Coast or Mane or you know, like those those guys would still represent there, and that's how those teams have been competitive because they bring back a lot of you know experience and IP and you know. It's, yeah. But yeah, anyway, anyway, I think that, that's a that's an overarching theme of this episode. How 
Um, so speaking to your nations. Do you have a fan on in the background? It's windy. Oh, okay. No, I'm um, Are you bright? Yeah. No, no, I'm not bright. It's too windy to bry. You're crazy, Adam. You're crazy. <laughs> no, there's uh, there's some funny weather about. Like, I wonder if it's not somehow linked to all these like cyclones and typhoons and stuff happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, warning. Sure. Was... Checking. And so, so anyway, um, key key fixture. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think that that first game against Japan is, is going to kind of it's going to set the sort of set the tone for Russia, saying, "Listen, this is this is who we are for this for this World Cup." I, I, to be honest, I don't think they have a chance of winning any game, but I do think that first game against Japan is where they can. Literally, everyone's going to be watching that game and. It's going to be, it's going to kind of them saying, okay, are we going to be a respectable opponent this World Cup, or are we going to be whipping boys the whole World Cup? Mm. Yeah, and then um, tying onto that, I think they're going to, they're going to come fifth in their group, and I think their points difference is going to be more than negative two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's a very uh, specific prediction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Alex, that just leaves you to. Oh, no, 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 no. Hmm? Sorry, Ben. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get hold of the the other Alex. He's meant to do the New Zealand preview now, but. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know, mate. Just... All right. We'll see. See if you can get him. But in the meantime, um, yeah, I can. I can hop into Los Pumas, um, or as we call them, the Pumas. And Argentina, uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't think they need much of an introduction. We all know what Argentina can offer. If you're listening to this pod, then there's a good chance you're from the Southern Hemisphere, and you get to see a lot of Argentina, uh, both in the rugby championship on an annual basis, but also in Super Rugby because uh, ever since 20, when was it 2012? I can't remember now. But when we expanded to the Super 18, um, and the Haguaras were added to Super Rugby. Uh, it's really been pretty much the Argentina national side that takes part in that intra-provincial tournament. And um, I'll talk about that a little bit more just now, but I mean, that's basically one of the sort of unique characteristics that they've got going for them. Um, they shared it, I would say, rec- until recently with Japan, the fact that their domestic or sort of pseudo-domestic team was the same as the international team. This year, obviously, we saw the Brave Blossoms taking all their players out of Super Rugby to, to train for this World Cup. So I, I would say that that leaves Argentina as the only team in the world that does this. Um, but Argentina, if you don't know much about them, are basically the French of the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, they're known for being a bit kind of unpredictable, volatile, uh, very creative, but quite sort of hit and miss, like, quite high-risk, high-reward. And um, I think, yeah, mercurial is is the term possibly to describe them, just as it is with France. They've got a pretty illustrious record in in Rugby World Cups, though. Um, For the first few iterations, when they were still very much, like, in the amateur... I don't know if they were in the amateur era as such, but, like, they they didn't really participate in any major competitions. And they they never really made it out of their pool stages. But they'd made quarterfinals for the first time in... 1999, and um, and in 2011 they also made the quarterfinals. 
their best ever showing was 2007, their best year. They topped the pool of death with uh, France and Ireland in it. And Ireland were the team that were unlucky. They they lost out on qualifying um, after being beaten 30-15 by Argentina in a in a must-win match. Uh, so that's quite impressive. You know, if you look, look back, if you look at the rankings now, and you think back to the fact that Argentina could knock out a team like Ireland, uh, that's no small feat. They then went on to beat Scotland in the quarterfinal, uh, 19 points to three, and then lost only in the in the semifinal to Springboks, who obviously went on to win that year, 37-13. So, uh, and then they went on to beat France again in a third, fourth playoff, beating them 34-10 in a dominant performance. So they finished third in that World Cup uh, in 2007, only losing only losing to the Springboks, and. Uh, in a weird way, had a better uh, had a better campaign than England, who came second, because uh, England lost to the Springboks twice. So there you go. Uh, they also made the semi-finals in 2015. <laughs> they drew... Adam, Adam you, you you got the headline of the pod now. Argentina better than England. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to that just now. But um, so in 2015, they were drawn with New Zealand, so it was a similar pool to what we have this year. And they lost to New Zealand in the pool stages, only 26 points to 16, so it was pretty close. And they went on to qualify um, for the quarterfinals. They beat Ireland in the quarterfinal by 43 points to 20, which is fucking crazy. Like I don't, I I'd forgotten about this. Like they beat Ireland by 20 points in a quarterfinal, and they went on but to lose this, this, this is what you're saying about Argentina being like France. If yeah. it if it comes together for them. There's no point in even having another team on the field. Like, they've lost. You know, if yeah. they, same with the Quaguares. Like, if they got that sort of offloading game going, you were screwed. Like, you might as well say, you know what, it's not my day. I'm going home, book a flight. Like, yeah, yeah well, exactly. Like, they, but then at the same time, like, you'll watch them play. And I mean, I'm speaking as someone who gets up fairly often to watch the Haguaras play in Super Rugby. And like, you just find yourself like wondering, like, what the fuck do these guys do all the time? Like, they clearly don't play rugby because they don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, they just look so out of their depth. And I think that's because it stems back to something we said a few weeks ago about Argentina when they were in the Super Rugby final, and I suppose Argentinians, is that they're very like a very passion and emotion driven people. So if you get them in the mood, they'll just fucking they'll be they'll beat New Zealand if they're in the, in the if they're in the mood. You know, I, I'll stand behind that. Yeah, but, I wouldn't. <laughs> the core, and actually Argentina uh, better than New Zealand. Uh, no, 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 no. To be to be honest, in that in that in the rugby championship game, Argentina almost beat New Zealand in uh, when they were playing in Salta, and Argentina had a shit game in my opinion. No, they did. They played yeah, poorly. It was close. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, like, so, I mean, I'm 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 I'm, I'm playing it, but like. Um, yeah. So obviously, like if if New Zealand have an off day and Argentina pitch up like on their, at at their best, then they can walk away with a win, and it wouldn't shock me. And you can only say that about I would say a handful of teams um, at the moment. But yeah, anyway, like it's hyperbole aside, they they're a very um, like fiery team, and if that fire isn't burning on the day, then you might as well just go and watch like Division Two football or something. Like they're, they're just going to be so unpleasant, you're going to wish you hadn't done it. Uh, so that's that is the risk with them. 
but yeah, so they, they've they've had some successful World Cup campaigns in the past, and 2015 was their second best ever. So they're definitely on an upwards curve, I would say. Um, they've played competitive rugby at a very high level since 2012, since they joined the rugby championship. And I think that's a big part of why they are seeing this upward trend. They get to keep their squad together all year round with the, between the Haguaras and the Pumas, and they get to play elite opposition on a regular basis, which is something that was denied to them previously. Um, this year, they're drawn with England, France, USA, and Tonga. So, again, widely considered to be the pool of death. But but I think most people are expecting them to qualify. Um, I'll get to the details of that just now. So... Let me move on to uh, like a bit more technical stuff. Traditionally, they were known for having like this really powerful, like almost mystical scrum technique that was known as the bajada. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's B-A-J-A-D-A, the bajada. And like everyone kind of knew, like when you went, when you traveled to Argentina to play them, they were just going to outscrum you. They had like this technique where all three uh, front rows would push. Uh, would shove simultaneously on the first shove and you ne- you just never got a chance for a second shove and um, I can't really explain the ins and outs of it I, I wish I wish Matt was here to help me out but uh, like this, it, it was like synchronized breathing as well or something yeah they, that's they, it was, they, it was like the whole pack would like expand and contract together and yeah um, it's super weird but anyway it was like really really effective and then the scrum rules came around and they were nerfed and now they they seem to have forgotten how to scrum. They're not very good at it anymore. Uh, now they're mostly known for like their backline. Uh, they've also had some musical chairs since the last World Cup. Ledesma's taken over this, as the coach. That was in 2018. Mm. Ledesma, by the way, also a key member of the team that came third in 2007. So he's got Rugby World Cup pedigree as a player. Um, he was replaced after retirement by Augustine Creevy, who's the current hooker. And he's been their talismanic captain and leader for many years. Um, but recently, Pablo Matera has emerged as the real leader for the team. Um, very young guy, well, comparatively young. And he's taken over from Gus Creevy, the captaincy. Gus Creevy is still a very important player, but no longer the captain. Um, they are uh, looking at the team in a bit more detail. I yeah, Their props are like a mystery to me. They've They've got a whole lot of guys who have had a lot of experience at Super Rugby level. Um, like Nahuel Tetas Shaparo, who Ben likes to draft for some reason. He's uh, good. He plays on both sides of the scrum as well, so he often gets selected because he... Yeah. Um, uh, Mako Vivas, I think he's the young guy that uh, Paul Tate often talks about. Um, he's apparently quite good. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know much about their props. Like, I've watched them play so much Super Rugby. I just don't know anything about them. Like, they. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speculate. Gus Creevy is still gonna be starting for them at, at Hooker, I reckon. Um, their locks are pretty stacked. They've got Guido Petty, who I really rate mm-hmm. quite highly, and Lavanini, who seems to have kind of cleaned up his act a little bit because he was at one point he was widely considered to be the dirtiest player in the world. Like, he was just a walking red card, basically. Um, Matera, like I said, he I reckon he's a he's a world class flanker. I think he's one of the best flankers in the world. Um, he combines pretty well with Ortega Desio and uh, Marcus Kramer. Facundo Issa is not going to the World Cup. Um, mm. That was a huge shock for a lot of people because when he left to go to France, he was like the golden boy of Argentina rugby, uh, mm. and he's come back a little bit off the boil 
and Ledesma obviously just didn't like what he saw, so he's not there. I, I, um, I kind of I, I kind of respect that because I, I think what what he's saying, if you want to play from overseas, you have to be head and shoulders above yeah. the guy you the guy you making us leave at home, and he wasn't. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah uh, exactly, that was exactly his rationale, and I think that's the right position. You you need to stand strong, otherwise the Haguaros are done for. Um, yeah. So Thomas Cabelli, he's the he's the starting nine. He's really quality. Uh, he yeah. had a stint with the uh, Brumbies, right, two yeah. years ago. Yep. Um, and he, so he was, he's he was like injured this. for basically a whole season, and then now he's back. Yeah. And he just walked back into the team like that's how good he is. <laughs> and the thing, what separates him from uh, like some of the other, I'm trying to remember the other two guys, uh, but he's just very like technical. He's not, he's not as much of a, like a live wire scrum up. He's got a very good pass, very good box kick, and like he's just right place, right time kind of guy. And then obviously fly half, we all know Nicolas Sanchez. He's up there. He's top five flyers in the world, I think. Um, Adam, um, Adam, what do you, what do you think of Sanchez's kicking style? It's uh, a Lamborghini crossed with a <laughs> Rolls Royce, uh, and they made a baby, okay. and it's just, it just purrs. <laughs> Uh, it purrs, and it's like, like when my cat pays me a visit and sits on me when I'm watching TV and, and purring. It's just, it's so like, I was actually going to make a point about Sanchez. He hasn't, since he's gone overseas um, and come back and play for Argentina, he hasn't looked that great, weirdly enough. Um, just from, yeah. from my perspective, he's like, looked a bit like me. Uh, I, I guess he will come right. He is their best player, but they have developed some depth at least yeah. with um, Sherbert. He's very good looking. I actually can't remember his name. So... Uh, We'll, we all drafted him at one point. I think one of us had a, had a young guy as fly half at some point. Benilla, I think. So, uh, oh, Diaz. Mm, Diaz, mm. Diaz Bonilla. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, but Sanchez, uh, is, he's, he's great. But I don't think Diaz, I don't think Diaz Bonilla is in the squad. Uh, no, no, they they got that other guy that um, yeah, Benjamin Uda Uda Pileta, Pigeta, Uda Pigeta. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry, it, I think I think two L's are usually pronounced with a J. So I said I Thomas Kubeli, but his name's actually Thomas Kubeshi. Oh. And I think, yeah, Benjamin Udapijeta is the backup fly half. Anyway, so, yeah, look, I think I think you, you make a good point, Adam. Like, he's a little bit off the pace. And I, I put that down to the fact that he's he wasn't playing Haguaris rugby and Super Rugby. Because I think that's the continuity that they rely on. And now they're compromising it by bringing him back. And that's also why... Uh, Ledesma didn't want to commit to Issa for the same reason, but Sanchez really is just that good. Yeah, but, so, yeah, but Sanchez is significantly better than his. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on to the centers in the back three, uh, Geronimo de la Fuente um, not only has the best name in rugby, but is a pretty handy center. Then they've got Matias Moroni and Matias Orlando, who are also very good. I think we kind of expect them to rotate a little bit. They've got a lot of options there. In the back three, they have also a lot of options on the wing between Santiago Carrera, uh, Ramiro Mojano, and Batista Dalgi. Uh, they even, are missing. Buffelli can even play wing as well. Mm. Well, Buffelli's 100% their starting fullback. Buffelli's, I think. Oh, is Tusa Tukalit injured? No, Tukalit's there. He's just rubbish. Yeah. Good in the air. That's all he really offers, I feel. Oh my god. You, you, so you can't. Bad. No, but Boffelli is so good in the air, though. I think Boffelli is better in the air than Israel Folau. And he hates well, less gay people. Yeah. We don't know that, but it's a safe assumption. 
I think no one has. <laughs> it's, it's the same assumption to presume he is less homophobic than Israel Folau because he's yeah. not Hitler. I assume that about literally everyone. So, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but no, honestly, like for me is is probably. I would say he's he's only behind like Aaron Smith, uh, fuck Ben Smith, um, Ben Smith and and Stuart Hogg, in terms of uh, being like the best fullbacks in the world. I think he's probably the third best fullback in the world. I think he's better than Rob Carney. I think he's better than who that who's England I, playing I, for? I, I would I would say yeah. weirdly technically technically I think he's a better fullback than Stuart Hogg, but I think Stuart Hogg's a better rugby player. Yeah, yeah. So it's Stuart Hogg's a better rugby player playing fullback. So yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but anyway, so Buffini. So I, I would say, he's, say he's technically he's arguably the best fullback in the world because Ben Smith is only playing fullback. He did against Tom. No, no, but uh, no, because because I, I would say if you say you want your fullback to kick, hit the line hard, and contest for the high ball, I would say Buffini's better than Ben Smith in those three categories. Mm. I don't know. No, 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 no offense to Ben Smith, obviously. I don't dispute the fact that is really, really good. And whenever I think of Buffelli, I keep think of, thinking of Phil's team name, Buffelli of the Beast. I don't know why. Um, yeah. But he is a high... I mean, I think I, I, think I know why. Buffelli said that team name, Alex. <laughs> Adam, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not much subtlety, really. Oh, I'm sorry, my hangovers are like really kicking it now, so I'm clearly a bit slow. <laughs> quickly, have some more Briani. Quickly, Adam. Yeah. It's your only option. No, that was a mistake. Right, my wife just walked in now, and I just gave her this look, this puppy dog look of like, God, what have I done? Because I'm just sitting here like, Ugh. but anyway, um, here's quality. I've got, uh, I've got some he is, yes, did you mention Cancellari? That's all, Alex. Sebastian Cancellari. No, he's injured. Is he injured? I think so. Oh, okay. Sorry. Didn't he, didn't he get carried off? Um, let me let me just Google this quickly. I'm gonna beat you to it. So, as far as I know, as far as I know, he got injured and is out of the squad. Uh, um, injury. Oh, yeah, he got injured in May. Yeah. Okay, maybe. I, yeah. I, I'm just looking at the official announcement, so they might have chopped and changed since then. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so they they are missing a couple of of outside backs, including Santiago Cordero. That was the other big shock. Yeah. Uh, everyone everyone just assumed that like Sanchez, Isa, and Cordero would stroll back into the starting team, let alone the squad. And now only one of the three of them is even there. So that's quite a big shock. But uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much the team, and I think they've got some amazing quality across the park. In fact, I think moving on to their strengths. I think they've got like this amazing spine of the team. They've got like a, almost a world-class player in every key position. So they've got Cravey at two. He's not world-class, but he's he's experienced. Mm. Petty at lock. Materia in the loose forwards. Kubeli and Sanchez. And then Buffelli at the back. Mm. And that just makes like this really nice sort of golden thread running through the line that I think is the spine of their team that, that is really, really settled and, um, and very, very talented. Uh, weaknesses? Like I said, I don't I don't really rate their front row. In fact, I don't rate their set piece at all. No. So their scrums and their lineouts are not not the best, um, and that's going to be a problem for them when they come up against like a more technical side. Also, they don't really have any depth. I just mentioned that golden thread in those key positions, but if any of those guys goes down, they don't have anyone good to replace them. So 
the backup nine and ten are are Escura and Uda, Uda Pigeta, which is not a good a good combination at all. The backup fifteen for Buffelli is Tuklet, who, as I said, is shit. Um, Matera, they don't really have. Uh, they've got um, what's his name again? Uh, Thomas Thomas Lozana. He's like the backup open side, I think. Sometimes they play them in tandem. Um, and I also maintain that Pablo Matera is a more natural blindside flank, but he's a bit like Adi Sevilla. He's like this hybrid. And Sia Kalisi, like he's one of these hybrid open side blindside guys who you just need to put on the pitch wherever you can. So, so they may yeah. play ben, uh, so, actually, ben, I'm getting quite a bit of feedback with your mic from the wind, just uh, F- FYI. Oh, sorry. Um, so, I was walking in the garden hitting hitting random things with a golf club. So I'll go back inside then, I guess, ruining my fun out. Is, is that why I was hearing you like a... Because, you know, you're, you're putting, doing some exercise. Like I got a golf I think that's genius, Adam, but, but uh, maybe. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm less fit than I think. So, uh, so Alex, I actually wanted to mention, um, when you talk about their, well, their loose trio, um, I feel uh, Marcus Kremer, I know he, he can play five. He's, I yeah. feel like he's actually one of the better... Um, he's one of the better sevens in the South African parlance. Is that open side or blind side? I always get confused. I only just figured blind out side. the whole. A blind. Yeah, I've only just figured out the whole. The bigger big the guys are blind side. B for big, B for blind side. Okay. Yeah, but he's he's actually a pretty good blind side weird you know. Yeah. And uh, O O for open side and O for oh wow! I can't believe he stole that ball. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, Kramer. Last year, I, I rated Kramer incredibly highly. When he was coming out of the Junior World Cup, I was like, Jesus, this guy. This guy's like a year, a year or two away from being the best blindside flank in the world or something. Um, and he's kind of disappointed me. I, I had him in my draft team for a lot of the year. We, we, we passed him around because he was quite disappointing. Um, very, like, he's got a discipline problem. He's got, like, a bad temper. He gives away a lot of stupid penalties and hugely physical but not much else. Like, he doesn't show the skill or the athleticism that I thought he would develop. Um, so, he's got like a high, he's got a very high ceiling as a blindside, you're right. But I think he's also got a pretty low floor in that he he could end up being like the next Lavanini. And he's just like a walking liability and you never know when he's going to take you down to 14 well, men. Well, I guess that's a weakness across Argentina, maybe. Yeah, their discipline? Sorry, I don't know. Busy a little bit, yeah. So, no, I mean, you, you took the words out of my mouth. That was what I was going to say next about their weaknesses. Like, so, um, aside from the lack of depth, they do have a bit of a discipline issue, um, which isn't really helped by the fact that the only person in the entire squad who speaks English is Augustine Creevy. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, it's it's a running joke, but, like, it's it's a ploy they use. Like, they, they pretend not to understand the referee, and then they just do whatever the fuck they want. Um, but but, but, but yeah. can, can, I, can I also argue that it's pretty bullshit that rugby only gets refed in English? Oh yeah, for sure. That's why I always liked um, Alain Roland, yeah, who refed in both French and English whenever he refed mm. like Ireland and France. Yeah, he, 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 he had he had captured that market big time. Eh? Yeah, yeah, they always got him in for the French games. But yeah, that's 100%. Like, it's it's a bit of a problem. He, he could he could play charge when he wants. It was probably like his, his normal rate was like 10,000 euros a game. France, England, yeah, yeah 80, 85,000 uh, euros for that. Yeah, hey, do you also? Yeah. But um, yeah, so like I said earlier, like they're, because they're such a fiery, passionate team, it can go wrong. Like if if the if they lose their their mojo or you know they lose a, a like get a, bit, a few injuries to key players or something, 
then it can go horribly wrong and they can just start firing or misfiring on all cylinders and just giving away penalties and knocking the ball on and they can be a very error prone team so that is that is the risk um I'll just quickly go key forward, obviously Pablo Matera, key back, obviously Nicolas Sanchez. Mm. Uh, my prediction, they are going to lose to England, um, and France are also going to lose to England, which means that the France-Argentina game is the must-win game for yeah, both teams. that's going to be huge. And they're pretty even, like I said, they're kind of the same team in a way, like they've got the same strengths and weaknesses. But I think that Argentina's starting lineup is a stronger one than France's, and it's the first game of the, of the, of the round. They're playing each other first up. So Argentina won't have any injuries yet, and they'll still be riding their preparation wave. So I don't. I think that they're going to be, they're going to be mentally strong. I think Argentina are going to beat France uh, fairly comfortably, actually. Oh, and I think they're going to yeah. finish second in the pool. I think they're going to finish second in the pool, and then they're going to get an injury to someone like Sanchez, and they're going to crash out probably in the quarterfinals. Oh, man, I'm going to miss that game. It's uh, It kicks off at 9.15, uh, well, a.m. or 9.30 a.m. South African time on the 21st. Uh, just FYI, if you want to watch that game, 21st of September. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks, Alex. Uh, thank yep. you. There you go. That's my, that's my preview. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, look, I guess uh, we were meant to get uh, another Alex to do New Zealand. So yeah, yeah. Do, so, I'll... Sorry, I, I thought... I messed up. I messed up the time zones because um, apparently I don't understand the 24-hour clock. So I thought it was midday in Guatemala, where Alex Jones currently is, and it turns out it's midnight. Oh, fuck. oh god! So, <laughs> oh god! Jeez. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, I'll do New Zealand. So I'll do, I'll does do anyone does anyone know anything about New Zealand rugby? I do. I know I'm going to be participating in rugby for noobs next week. But I, I know I could do uh, New Zealand. <laughs> so let me, let me, I'll, I'll do New Zealand very quickly. And uh, right, okay, actually look at the walk. We can all chip in, I think. Eh? Jesus, all right, so, New Zealand. Adam, has hmm? has New Zealand ever had had any success at a World Cup before? Uh, yes, they have, Alex. I'm glad you asked. They, uh, they oh, are the wow. leading oh, winners, leading winners of the World Cup, having won uh, 2015 with probably the best World Cup team ever. 2011, which they shouldn't have won. France have won that. And in 1987 in New Zealand, uh, won in the inaugural World Cup. Uh, the World Cup record... That, is... that's, that, that's because that's because South Africa wasn't there, though. Pretty much. So the, those, to me, those first two World Cups don't count. No. Because, you know, you weren't you were competing against the best. Yes. But also, in all fairness, I'm not saying South Africa shouldn't have been banned. I'm just saying they weren't there. Um, yeah, they're, they're record saying everyone, everyone else should have been banned as well. Uh, yes, no, yeah. no one, no one should have fun until South Africa sorted their shit out. Basically, exactly. They have played the most games. Uh, actually, uh, I mean, don't look at the sheet. They've played the most games at a rugby World Cup. Fifty. Which nation has played the second most? It's actually two. Uh, it's got to be Australia. Yes, and yeah. France. Uh, yeah, France, France, and Australia. Yeah, which is quite surprising. So they played fifty. One forty-four, lost six. Uh, let's see, two versus South Africa, and the third place playoff for ninety-nine. The final two, 90- two South Africa, two France, two Australia. Yes, yeah, well, that's a nice bit of symmetry. Um, okay, the strength. Oh, it's almost like bed filled in these details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder who. I know Alex made this, but uh, yeah. Um, I guess this. I mean, this. Thanks for fucking make the sheet. I made the sheet. <laughs> I, I think. I am part of this. 
Their strengths are, I think, they have a shit ton of experience uh, heading into the tournament, having 1 and 15 and 11. So they've got a lot of champions that know what, what it takes to win a Rugby World Cup. They're a very complete rugby team. Uh, they got the forward dominance. They're probably the best counter-attacking rugby team in the world. I know we chatted a bit about this in the group, but they can also create from nothing. Um, like Bowden Barrett, Richie Mwanga, they got depth in key positions. Uh, Aaron Smith, uh, now, ironically not in lock. That they'll, they'll be one of the weaknesses I'll just briefly discuss. Um, and overall, they're just a very complete rugby team. And actually, this sounds like a bit of a weird one, but I feel their back three, excusing who plays a 15, but uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that Rico is not going to start. George Bridge will start at 11, and Severus at 14. They're probably the most dangerous backs at this World Cup, um, I, I, along with Chesson Colby, actually. Look, I know there's Joe Cocker singing and a few other guys, but those guys are absolute heat. Um, and they've only played a handful of games, but they've managed to usurp, I think, the incumbents in that position. Um, I mean, you guys can talk a bit more about the strengths. Like, I'll just get through the weaknesses. Uh, Brady Retallick being injured. He is, uh, apart from being one of the world's best players, uh, one of the world's best locks, uh, and a huge, and he, he's got a huge engine, does a lot of work. Uh, he can he can run 50 meters at, at the speed of a, of a flank. Uh, his injury, uh, they say he might be fit for the quarterfinals, but we will see. So his understudy is Patrick Tupolotu, who has set up a little bit. And also Scott Barrett, but Scott Barrett, even over the course of Super Rugby season, I think discipline as he showed against Australia as well. Uh, I think that's a problem as well. Also the issue at Oh, open. Oh, oh, oh my god, you stole the ball. The issue at, at six. Yes, that's a version of seven. Uh, Liam Squire not going to the World Cup. Uh, they've tried a few guys in that position. Shannon Brazil, he didn't step up. Viva Fita, Jackson Hemipo, the list goes on. So it looks like, you guys can correct me on this, they're going to head into the World Cup game against South Africa, fielding Artie Severe, Sam Kane, and Kieran Reid, which leaves them a little bit weak at lineout. And then just another area where I, I'm... If I was New Zealand, I wouldn't be entirely happy. Is it centre? Uh, you got Ryan Crotty at 12. 13 will be... Who will be the 13? Is that a Brown? No. Sonny Bill? Probably Goodhue. Oh, Goodhue, excuse me. Goodhue. Adam, how do you not know that Jack Goodhue plays 13 for the All Blacks? Like, you never fucking stop going on about it. <laughs> I'm a little bit slow. I just, I just feel that their centre pairings are a little bit unsettled. I do rate... Adam, Crotty. Adam, have some more Briani. Quickly, quickly. <sighs> I do rate, I, I don't know, I feel his centers are a little bit unsettled, but look, Ryan Crotty uh, is an outstanding player. I just, something, I said, I could be talking complete hat here, but that, if I was an All Blacks fan, I'd be a little bit concerned about that. Um, also, along with the whole Bowden Barrett, Richie Mwanga, Axis 10-15, I know they play Tonga. To me, they just look a better side where they have one ten and they're better with a 15. But look, I'm a bit biased. Uh, I just feel you're getting um, more, more out of that. I don't know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Just, just go, going back to Brody Retallick, how does it work with injuries bringing in a substitution to the World Cup, bringing in someone additional to your squad? Oh, uh, it depends when they sorry, get injured. Right? I, I looked this up earlier. Fuck, I've forgotten it now. But you can't, you can't do it. They, they must have been with the squad more than like 24 hours before the match or something, or 48 hours. Okay, no, no, but, but that's to say, say, say Brody Retallick just doesn't recover. Can they replace them? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Fuck, I'm trying to find the rules now. Do you just like um, half of New Zealand just imploded be... while asking that question? No, they they, they can they can. Um, okay. Once teams have named their final 31 man squad play, squad, players can only be replaced for medical or compassion reasons. Teams must complete the relevant paperwork and send it to World Rugby along with a medical certificate where appropriate. 
once signed off, the replacement is not allowed to play for 48 hours. Okay. The replacement is permanent. So, yes. So, okay. you... No, no, no so but, but to me, they, they bringing Brody Retallick injured. Yes. So, yeah. should... Should it? Does it have to be an injury that occurred during no. the World Cup time frame, or can they just no, replace him no. sort of? Really if really? they just get, if they get a medical report that says we've relooked at it or we've done more scans, it turns out he's only going to be available in like six months. Then okay. that's obviously new information, and it doesn't matter. Like World Rugby don't give a fuck. Like it's you, the one who picked an injured player in the first place. If you want to replace him, then yeah, that's probably a smart move. So they're not going to stand in your way, but then you risk not being able to do it, get your timing right. So if they decide at the last second we're going to do it and they bring in someone else, they won't be able to play that person for 48 hours, which might impact on you know, a game or something. So, well, no, because I'm, I'm just thinking now if someone like, say, Scott Barrett or uh, Sam Whitelock or someone gets injured. Yeah. Because hmm. yeah, I, I guess it does create a... Sort of if a if a guy picks up say someone gets injured and then you're like well they'll be ready for the semis, it's kind of a decision. Yeah. Do you replace them? Do you because say something like that happens. Say one of the locks picks up a little niggly injury now, yeah. then they carry two injured locks. So then it becomes right. a lot more. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, a point I wanted to make. It's very interesting that uh, Retallick's injury and we've almost have forgotten about him. David McKenzie's injury. Uh, earlier this year, just yeah. those two injuries kind of set, like upended Steve Hansen's apple cart. If they were there, yeah. then I'd say, geez, you know, like New Zealand hands down to favor. But the fact McKenzie was the guy at 15 and 10 has now meant he's been experimenting with Mwanga uh, Barrett, which I, I still I still don't like it. I, I get the virtues of it, just I just don't, doesn't see. You need one general, and at times, I think it's a bit confusing. I know the team itself internally, I'm sure, have sorted it out. I just, they, I, to me, it appears it's just a little bit of dissonance on the field. Um, but look, these are just like minor flaws in what is obviously an outstanding rugby team and is definitely the favourite. Uh, the key forward, I would have said Retallick. Um, Adi Sevier? I don't know. You get Sam Whitelock, he's obviously very good. Kieran Reid, he's actually picked up recently. I don't know if they're going to go with Coles or Taylor too. Um, they've also, they, they dumped... Uh, own Franks, which is also a very interesting call. Uh, so I'd probably say Ardi Sevier is he's their best forward. Though he doesn't offer as much at line time. Please correct me if, if you have any other any other ideas. Their key back, mm-hmm. uh, fuck, there's just so many. That's the thing. Their, their back line so, I mean, is outstanding. This, this is the thing with New Zealand, right? Like they don't really have no like key players because they got so much depth. I would in actually say if I had to pick all, one almost guy, almost every other team. You can say what you can almost pick a player and say if that player got injured, they won't win the World Cup. New Zealand, you can't do that. I was gonna say Aaron Smith. You can say, say, okay, say, say if South Africa lose Pollard, they won't win the World Cup. Yeah, if 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 England lose Billy Billy Villapolo, they won't win the World Cup. Yeah, hundred percent. If Ireland lose Sexton, if Ireland lose Sexton, they won't win the World Cup. If Australia lose, if Wales lose. That's Ronnie, even. Corabetti. Australia, Australia <laughs> won't win the World Cup. Um, if if Wales lose, Alwyn Jones won't win the World Cup. New Zealand, like like you know, if you had one bullet, who would you take out? Probably Barrett, but it wouldn't throw them as much as it would throw any other team. Basically. If I had to, pick, if you asked me to pick one name, I'd say Aaron Smith because he's uh, he, his pass is just a bit quicker than Perinara's. So they're able to play that tiny bit more up tempo, 
Uh, but, I mean, Perinara is very, I mean, obviously very close, but I, I probably say Aaron Smith just because of the speed of his delivery. But everywhere else across the park, I know I was saying at centre, I do think there's a bit of confusion, even there. I mean, they left La Mappy at home. He's outstanding. Uh, he's a real beast. So uh, I, I would, I would probably, if I could injure one player for New Zealand, well, and wanted to, obviously, I would go Ardi Sevilla. Because without Ardi Sevilla, their 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 back their loose their loose trio looks very tepid without Ardi. Yeah. Yeah. Like that that say, is not a loose trio. That's yeah. Me. I, I back I back Adam's original assessment. I think like it's it's like a role thing because he's like we already said a number of times like what they're missing most of all is a blindside flank. Like they don't have a Peter Stiff to Toy type player. Yeah, we're so at the lucky. moment they're plugging the gap. They're plugging the gap with Ardi Sevilla. But, like, he doesn't really do that job very well. He does a lot of other stuff very well, so it's already a risk. If you take him out of the equation, and then they don't even have that guy, like, that hybrid, then, like, who the fuck, like, I don't know what they'll do then. Then they have to go with, like, Matt Todd, Sam Kane, Kieran Reed. Ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's like, that's like a really good, I mean, actually, Sam Kane is an outstanding player. He, he is very good. Uh, but I, think, in, I, I, think, uh, I think they would, I think they, they would go Kane, Reed, Barrett, Scott Barrett. Yeah. Or maybe I they would bring in Spike. I think they'd drop, yeah, I think they'd drop, yeah, someone like Barrett. Yeah, you're pretty right. But anyway, but look, we, we, uh, so we're dragging on a little bit with this, but I, um, I was on the stat attack with Ant and Phil a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the composition of the Rugby World Cup squads for the, the three original Tri-Nation teams. And we, we spoke about this in a bit of detail, so I think we can refer people to that episode yeah. if they want to hear a, little, like, a bit more detailed conversation about the balance of the New Zealand squad and what the impact of the injuries to McKenzie and Retallick might be. Uh, yeah, uh, so guys, please, please go check that out if you just want to hear that in-depth discussion. Uh, position of pool. Obviously, the key game in the pool fixtures... Uh, against Africa uh, up front because then they'll just dictate state the obvious the whole path of the tournament um, and that's on September 21st kicking off at quarter to 12 so that, uh, South African time just FYI or Central African time uh, I'm going to make a bit of a call here I think they're going to finish second in their pool I think South Africa are going to beat them uh, I'll elaborate a little bit on that against Japan uh, it's a bit flimsy but look they'll reach the final and oof. They'll, they'll probably face South Africa in the final. I actually don't know who wins that game, though. <laughs> Fuck, it's so hard. Uh, even even the 21st fixture, uh, if, if Vitalik were fit, as were... Um, who, am I th- who am I thinking about here? Uh, McKenzie. I'd probably back New Zealand. Uh, but I, I think South Africa are going to win. Final... I guess I need to put my hand in the mask. I think New Zealand are going to lose in the final against South Africa. South Africa will beat them twice. Uh, which is probably my, uh, my heart clouding my judgment a little bit. But if, if, if South Africa doesn't win the World Cup, New Zealand do. And look, I know there's England. England are probably the people we should be focusing a lot on, given their pace and power. Uh, but that's that's it at this stage. Um, Alex, who do England... Who will England face? I guess it depends who... I'm just trying to think. England and Pool C. Uh, so they will face the loser of the New Zealand-South Africa game, because that pass very hard. Because if uh, whoever loses that opening fixture will probably face Ireland, sorry, Ireland, mm-hmm. in a first fixture, then they face England. Jesus, if whoever gets to the final is going to be battle-hardened as hell uh, if they get through both no, of those so, so, so England, if England top their pool, they play the second-place team from Pool D. Yeah, they'll be... So that prob- probably be Australia. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. yeah. So... 
I'll tell you what my expectation was. Yeah, what, I, what, I've already sent in. I've already sent in my my predictions, which yeah. I've actually changed my mind on. So I think Pool A is going to be Ireland Scotland. Yeah. Pool B is going to be. I said so originally. I thought we were going to top up pool. I was with you. I thought we were going to beat New Zealand in the pool stage. I've actually changed my mind. I think they're going to beat us. Um, based partly on what I saw yesterday mm. from them against. I know it was against Tonga, but there were little things that I just picked up on. Um, pool C is going to be England, England, Argentina, and then Pool D is going to be Wales, Australia. So it's going to be Ireland versus us, New Zealand versus Scotland, England versus Australia, and Wales versus Argentina. And then the semi-finals are going to be South Africa versus uh, England. Yep, South Africa versus England, who beat Australia. And Wales beating Argentina to meet New Zealand. And then I think we're going to beat England. And I think it's going to be, like you said, South Africa-New Zealand final. And I think we're going to lose the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Ben? The big call. Yeah. Who I think is going to win the World Cup? Yes. Do I have to... Uh, Actually, well, really... oh, we're talking about... Who's going to pool, Zealand, who's, who's gonna win gonna... the pool game? Who's gonna oh, win no. The uh, oh, I think New Zealand will win. Damn. Okay, I'm in the minority. Oh, obviously, I want South Africa to win, but... Yeah. Oh well, look, that's, anyway. well, look, that's that's uh, there. Um, I, well, but, that, that, but that, that, that's what you know. That's what's nice about that pool game because it doesn't really matter. It's just like uh, obviously it's uh, it's, it's like a marker to set down. Yeah, I'd much rather play Wales than England. Yeah, but it's a, it's a market. To, but also, I, I feel comfortable that Australia, that South Africa could beat Ireland or Scotland quite comfortably in the. Oh yeah, hundred percent. In the in that quarterfinal, yeah. so I'm not like that's why it's like it's like a freebie basically. Mm. Okay, well I'll I'll yeah. leave it there. Uh, check out the standard tactics for the detailed discussion. Uh, looking at you, Luke Jacobson. Um, and look, let's move on to actually some of the games. I'll just quickly read through some of the results. Damn it, I have them in front of me now. But uh, I know there was the Curry Cup final. Who's Luke Jacobson? Uh, uh, isn't he in the New Zealand squad? What? Why does he need to listen to the stat attack? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying when you're talking about squad. <laughs> No, no, no! I'm not sending a message to Luke Jacobson. I'm just, just, uh, okay. I'm just <laughs> call him up. We're calling Luke Jacobson out yeah. on Twitter yeah. and telling him to, to listen to the status attack. attack. No, uh, yeah. no, it's just his his selection. Call, I'm so I'm so tired of Luke Jacobson <laughs> just riding through life without listening to status attack. Actually, <laughs> I demand you listen to status attack right. Fucking now, okay? <laughs> Alright, first of all, um, there was the Curry Cup final in South Africa yesterday. The Cheetahs won 31-29. It uh, actually wasn't that close a game. The Lions just scored a half full of points towards the end. The Cheetahs deserved winners. Uh, your man, Ben, he got two tries from rolling walls. Uh, How did my man do? You, uh, you mean the nation's man, future Springbok hooker, Joseph Dwebe? Yeah, tight. Two tries. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I thought, really watch uh, the I game. Thought, I thought Tigre was, was Ben's man. Ben's got multiple people. I can have two men. He's, he's promiscuous. Don't let, don't let Israel Falau hear you say that. <laughs> or Luke Jacobs. I'm, I'm glad we've started watching Israel Falau again. Like, it's been a while since we related to him. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, yeah, very pleased about uh, But yeah, there's that. I, I, did you guys watch the game at all? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I watched it. Uh, I, 
Yeah, the cheaters were like a team of men playing a team of boys, to be honest. Yeah. Huh. But it's, I don't know, so the first half, I missed the beginning of the first half. And um, everyone was like, oh, this game's amazing. Like on the on the chat group, I think Phil was like, oh, it's a great game so far. So I tuned in and I was, I really enjoyed the first half very much. And like Ben said, it was like just a clinic from the cheaters on, on how to make your opponents look out of their depth. And the cheaters just played some really beautiful attacking rugby. Um, and then the first half ended and I was like, oh, well, this is pretty, you know, pretty clear win for the cheaters. And um, then I came back for the second half. And then, like, halfway through the second half, I found myself, like, reading a book. Uh, like, I'm not even joking. I, I picked up a book to read. Like, I was bored. Like, it, I think maybe it was, it was a little, like, too dominant from the cheaters. And there was just no real sign that the Lions were going to win it. They ended up coming back, right? So I was obviously being a bit premature. Um, but it just felt kind of like the outcome was predetermined in a way. Maybe I'm being silly about it. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was that good the second half. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad the Cheetahs won. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm better. Yeah, no, no, but this often happens, especially in a final where one team shoots, then they kind of defend their lead instead of just really yeah. capitalizing. And in all fairness, it, it, did, it did work out for the Cheetahs. I'm sure they were a little bit worried at the very end there, but they were kind of completely dominant. Who who do you think the, the player of the Curry Cup was? Joseph Dreber. Or Tigri, my two boys. Um, I don't think Tigri was even the best line. I think Stian Pino was better. But I think Joseph Dreber was like was the best player of the whole tournament. He was so good. Joseph Dreber should be with the Springboks guys. Like I'm not hating on Scott Pritz, but he's like Joseph Dreber's an international level hooker. Yeah, he's. A, I'm, I'm so I'm so worried he's going to play a season with the Cheetahs and then get a big money offer from somewhere in, from somewhere in Europe and go. And we so, never going like, to see him again. Yeah. So we, we we spoke last week, I think, about Oxenshire signing for the Sharks. I'm desperate for Dweber to go along with him because the Sharks are in desperate need of a hooker. And I just think it would be amazing to see Ox and Dweber both playing Super Rugby, even if it is for the Sharks. Um, yeah. Well, apparently, so apparently Dweber was originally with the Lions, but then he left because of Malcolm Marks. Which, you know, fair. it's a pretty good call, actually. That's fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, it happens, yeah. I mean, um, like, we see a lot of that kind of stuff, especially with, like, the Bulls. Like, uh, who was it? Even Bonky came to, to province via the Bulls, I think. So, yeah. Um, anyway. All right. Uh, look, we'll just well, congratulations to the Cheaters. Hopefully they can carry this form into into the Pro 14. Um, so other results: uh, Ireland beat Wales 19-10 in our top of the world rankings. Um, I think you know, <laughs> makes no fucking sense. I forgot about that. Um, and then Australia. I, 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 quite, I quite liked how we just walked over Japan and got bumped up ahead of England somehow as yeah. well. Like it's, Australia beats them up, 34-15. As I already mentioned, New Zealand beat Tonga 92-7. Alex, what are these little things that you Mm. said you saw in the game? Uh, No, just like being a lot more, I don't know, like ruthless. Because they could have won that game by a lot less, right? They could have have won it like 130. Well, yo, I don't (laughs) think they scored any any points for, for the last... Six, uh, for the last 15 odd minutes and yeah. that's normally when New Zealand but, but I, yeah. I don't 
Can, can I just say, I don't think New Zealand gained anything from that Tonga game. 100%. I agree they, with you. Because they, they weren't playing how they would actually play against uh, in the World Cup. Or play a proper yeah, game in the World Cup. Like, yeah, like some but... of the offloads and stuff they are throwing, you know they would never even try that against South Africa. Yeah. Like, they, they, were, play, they were playing too freely, and they were... And Tonga were falling off so many tackles, I don't think it was actually a proper hit-out. But I think I think it was important as, like, you know how in boxing or in, like, in racing and stuff, they get in, like, a ringer to to just kind of, um, like, a soft a soft target? Yeah. Is that, is that what a ringer is? Am I getting the terminology right? No, no, ring is um, the other thing. Ring is no, like a squash. Like, you bring in a really good player and play him. Oh, like when you, when, you, when, you, when, you hustle, when you hustle someone, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, like a, like a whipping boy, sort of. Yeah, yeah, like a whipping boy. Like, and, and it's like just to, get, just to get the champ's confidence back up, you know? Like just before his big fight, you schedule like a really soft fight for him just so you can kind of beat the shit out of someone and, and just get his confidence back. And I think that the All Blacks really needed it. Because they came out of like their worst rugby championship in in ever, like ever since we've had the rugby championship, they've never done as badly as they did this year. And everyone was like, "Geez, but you know, the All Blacks are beatable. Like their their models failed. Steve Hansen's miscalculated, and blah 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 blah." And you know, we were we were saying that as well. And I think it was necessary for them to just you know just take it all out on a punching bag, which was Tonga, unfortunately. And just show that they, they're not letting it kind of get to them. So in the same way that I think it was important for us to play Japan, because we're going into a World Cup with, in Japan with this, like, hanging over our heads, the fact that we lost to Japan in Brighton four years ago. You know, it's like this bugbear that you just can't get off your back. And now it's gone. The curse is lifted. Like, we feel there's no team in the world that's got a 100% winning record against the Springboks anymore. And that was like a really small... Unlike uh, unlike Ireland, who've never beaten Namibia. Right. I think they have beaten them. Yeah, but like that's that's the thing. So so... Ireland keep on asking for fixtures and Namibia just deny them. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it's it's just like a little symbolic gesture just to ease you into the the big fixtures. And... um, I don't know. Like I, th- I think, I think it's good can, for. Can, can I just? Can, can I just say I'm loving South Africa's like PR campaign in Japan at the moment. Yeah, it's like really smart. Mm. Yeah, like I, I, I think they're doing so much good work for the for the Springbok brand and stuff by going there early, by going to a lot of like events, meeting a lot of people, playing Japan. Like I, I really think we. I think it's gonna. We gonna. We've won a lot of supporters doing that, and mm. you know, you can never have too many supporters away from home in one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. Let's. Well, I guess let's move on to that game. I'll get to some of the other. England beat Italy 37-0, and Scotland beat Georgia 36-9. Uh, not the worst result uh, for Georgia heading into the World Cup. And yeah, South Africa uh, 1-1 Japan. Take that. South Africa won 41-7. Um, I, I just wanted to. Explore Ben's points. I I completely agree with him that New Zealand learned nothing against Tonga. Meanwhile, we played in Japan, getting conditioned. We played against a good team that put us under pressure a lot of the time, and we didn't crack. Um, and uh, I just made uh, Alex. Nope, we, dislike did we make something like two hundred tackles or something? 
I don't know, but they put us under a bit of pressure, hey? Uh, Japan, did the scoreline... Yeah, like, like uh, it, was, no, it, was a, it was a good... I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that game was pitched at a good level. Like, yeah. it allowed us to sort of uh, kind of get the, the whipping boy effect that New Zealand had, but it also gave us a proper hit out. Like, you know, you, you learn a thing or two from that game. Like, Dallander can't catch, apparently. No, no cards. <laughs> that's our weakest position on the field is a 12. Um, you, I mean, he's, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's a bit harsh. It's really. Uh, was he just? No, no, no. I, I think. I think. No, he had. He just had a bad game. I uh, know, but it's just. I think about. I think about our twelves, sure. and I just don't get excited. What is at all. our weakest? What is our weakest position? I'd say twelve. I think. It, at the moment, it's tighted. Like we have a lot of depth, but our starting. Tight heads are not necessarily as good as other teams starting tight heads, if that makes sense. So like, Dalland uh, is good, guys. Like he's not a he's not a world class center, no. but he's not far off. Like he just does a very he has a very limited role, and that suits so. his skill set, and he I does it, so. he does it well. Like he executes, and that's that's all you can really Apart expect from him when that. he drops oh, the ball. No, you know what? Actually, actually, I'll take it back because he kicked. He should never kick. Yeah, we've known like, kick directly yeah, in touch. His, yeah, his boots shouldn't even have a top. So if he kicks, it hurts his foot. Like, that's what I think should happen to him. <laughs> he should play in sandals. Yeah. With, with studs. Yeah, he, should, he should play in Jesus sandals with studs on them, basically, because <laughs> just to punish him for kicking. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Mapimbi, he, he grabbed a hat-trick, which is very nice to see. Uh, as all, Ches and Colby got a couple of tries. Uh, Franz Stein made Alex more nervous as, our, as, as a reserve 10, possibly. Uh, guys, <laughs> if we're talking about our biggest weakling, <laughs> Franz Stein is going to cost us the World Cup, I'm telling you right now. If we don't play Elton Jones on. on the bench, we're fucked. Bring bring in Ruan Pinar. We talked about this. He's the solution. We need. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, we don't need Corpus Radar. Um, but yeah, I just watching the game overall. Thought we played very well, and um, I don't know. It's very weird describing the Springboks. We rack up these big scores, but we don't we don't do it in a very flashy way. We just drill teams like clinical. Efficiency. No, no, but I'm telling you, that, that's how you, you win World Cups. You win ugly, you win ugly games. That's how you win it's the same, World same Cups. It's the same as Salta. We drilled Argentina, but it's, you know, it wasn't the super, super flashiest game, you know? Uh, maybe it's just because... Yeah, that's, who cares? No, no. no it's just, it's, that's, why, that's what makes me so confident. We're like drilling teams, but it doesn't appear like we're playing that well, even though we really are, actually. Um, especially Yankees, you got another try. As well, he just can't stop scoring. God, uh, which is which is nice. Uh, uh, I, 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 don't, I think he I think he had his worst game in the book, Shirtha, by a long way. Yeah, yeah I, I missed. I, I, had to, I, I missed a lot. No, I, I think it was it was like a, a kind of a disease affecting the whole bench, that they were all a bit too keen to try and make an impact. Mm. So yeah, let, let's uh, talk about that because there was a massive drop off once we got the bench players involved, um, and. So, Trevin Yakani came on for Malherba and then got an injury shortly thereafter. We're told it's not serious, but so you know you, you can't lump him in. Um, I I didn't really notice much of Bongi playing. Did Bongi come on? He yeah, must have came on quite early. 
Did he? Because the, the, res- the reserve front row was on at like 55 minutes, the whole reserve front row. Mm. Uh, we we should like we should probably add for people who aren't aware like this game was at like twelve o'clock on a Friday in South Africa so it was during like work hours that so we didn't really at least I didn't really watch it particularly closely I did try and keep an eye on it but like I wasn't as focused on it oh as yeah don't, 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 don't tell me about shit decisions because now uh, DSTV now is now blocked at my work so I had to watch on my phone like some sort of peasant <laughs> yeah. No, but anyway, so so that's that maybe explains I'm why I have, I'll tell you that. That does, that maybe explains why I didn't like uh, I didn't see what people were doing. But like, yeah, there, there was a problem with the the bench coming on. Like we we saw a lot of mistakes creeping into the game. We kept scoring tries, but after that they were more like against the run of play. It was like Chesney Colby got his intercept try. Um, Herschel Junchi's got his fourth try in as many games. That. That Colby try was, I would say, probably a 14-point turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. But it was... And then if... Yeah. No, but if, if if Japan had scored one there, I think it would have been 14-26, maybe, something like that. Uh, Which isn't, you know... The, we were already in the 30s by that point. Mm. No, I think, that, I think that, that try I took, took us to 30... Because we finished on uh, 41, so I think that try took us to 33. Okay, yes? yeah, I mean, yeah, that might be right. So, so I'm saying, like, at that point, it was still like if Japan had scored there, I think it would have been a stressful little whatever it was, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, so there's an issue there. I think um, the backline feels a bit disjointed once we lose. So this is the first time we've seen Francois stay in at 10 instead of at 12. He had Every single game so far this year, he's come on at 12 for Dallander, and we've made Pollard play 80 minutes, right? Am I, am I right about that? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. And I think that's the problem. And this is what we've been saying. This is what I've been fucking saying about <laughs> Francois Stane. I'm so upset that Rossi let it get to this point, where the first time we see our backup 10... Um, and he shouldn't be our backup 10. Elton Yanchi should be our backup 10. But if he's on the bench, he can't be. So if our backup 10 is France 10, how do we let ourselves get to the point where we've really announced our squad? We're in fucking Japan. And for the first time, we're like, oh, let's see if France Stan can still play 10. Oh, wait, he can't. Like, whose fucking idea was that? Rassies. Why didn't we play France Stan at 10 in, in Salta? I don't get it. Like... We needed, we needed to see uh, the guy for 60 minutes in, in the number 10 jersey. If that's the plan, if we're not going to play Elton Judge, he's on the bench, and we're going to play Francis Stan, we need to see him get more than 60 minutes of rugby under his belt. And I'm now genuine. And this is, this is, by the way, a bigger reason. I know I said it was about things, small things I saw in the All Black game. It's more about what I saw from the Springboks yesterday, on Friday. That makes me think we're not going to beat New Zealand. Because if, if one thing goes wrong, we're fucked. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah. Not happy. I'm not happy about it. But that's what what Phil said when he previewed the Springboks, whatever it was, like a month or so ago. Yeah. That so much depends on Pollard. Yeah. And he's had injuries before. Like, he's not exactly, you know... Yeah, he's not bulletproof for it. Weirdly, 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 Alton Yanchis is bulletproof. He's never... I'm, nah, I'm busy watching uh, the second half. They have a cool game on YouTube now, um, and I'm just like I'm, I'm waiting for them to get get the ball in front stands' hands, 
and uh, it's just not happening. <laughs> well, you'll you'll see it for oh, yeah. the, the single, ball, the single try oh, that when, when he when he gets when he gets the ball passes one into the floor and then they they run in under the ball no, and people he, somehow blame no, Mapimpi. He had just come onto the field, so you know I feel a little bit so, bad for him. That's the oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Your sub. You have to come on with the same intensity as. <laughs> But hang on, like this is the same guy that people have spent the last like six months being like, guys, Francois Stein is like the world's best rugby player. He's the golden boy from 2007. He can still play 15. He can still play 12. He can still play 10. <laughs> I'm him. sorry, but if he's that play eight. Good, he can come off the bench and have an impact. Like that is not an excuse. Like if Herschel Junchies came off the bench and made a couple of mistakes before he got into the game, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. But Francois Stein is like a 12-year veteran of Test rugby. This is not his first rodeo. Like, yeah, he. He, be he, has a, he has. Is he the only player left of that played uh, in that uh, 2007 World Cup? This player? Yeah. Uh, of uh, Beast. And Beast. Yeah, Beast. Yeah. But I. I wait. Did Beast play? No. Did Beast didn't play 2000. No, no, he wasn't in the squad. But uh, he only started. Oh, yeah. But but yeah. um, I'm sorry, but like if if Francis then is going to be rusty off the bench in a friendly game against fucking Japan. <laughs> How the fuck can we trust him to come on against New Zealand when Pollard gets injured? This is bullshit. And I need people to stop apologizing for him. These fucking Francois Stan apologists from KwaZulu-Natal, I'm just going to say it, they're from, they're from KZN, and they are blinded by things that happened 12 years ago and 10 years ago against the British and Irish Lions. And you need to move on. This guy is not the same player. Like You can look at him and see he's not the same player. Okay, and it's not just physical. Like, there's a mental thing going on as well. And I'm not saying that he can't be good, but like, we can't just operate on this assumption that he's good. And why didn't we not see him play ten in a full game? Why didn't we see him starting in the twelve jersey? If he's coming on for Dallander the whole time, he should have started at twelve. Who did we play at twelve in our last game before we came to Japan? Fucking Andre Esterhazy. Esterhazy. What's the point? Like, what is the point of this? Jesus. I'm so what is the point triggered. of Andre Esterhazen? Why does he exist? <laughs> I'm furious about this Francois Sain situation in the Springboks. Absolutely furious. And we joked about it, but yeah, I would rather take Ron Pinar than Francois Stein. And then we drop Krubus Reinach and we can take fucking Dylan Lades or something and we'll make a plan for the number 12 jersey. I don't even care. <laughs> but like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I'm so sorry. Really you, I didn't sense. realize, I didn't mean to trigger you. You know, suddenly just... The coffee's kicked in. And sometimes, sometimes that's all it takes. No, no, no. But 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 I, I think ah, okay. from that, Alton Alton has to have the the number twenty two jersey. Yeah. And then when so Pollard comes on, Alton comes on fine straight. Pollard gets injured, Alton comes on straight swap. Um. Then if if that's not if that's not happening, Pollard shifts to twelve. Alton plays ten. That to me is now the solution. Franz Stein has demonstrated that he he's unable to. Uh, I, 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 don't think to, I don't think to, he's uh, even able to play 12. He scored a P help credit gap there. Uh, who? I thought he had a good game. I thought he played all right at 12 when he came yeah. against Argentina. I'm so comfortable with him being a 12. Uh, he, don't you remember that he had, he had his kick charge done? Yeah. Well, yeah, and then he had to like, make that dive down. tackle. That the, only, the only thing anyone remembers is his fucking dive tackle. Also, he was really slow. <laughs> no, not this. Alex, uh, I, I just want to—I just want to tell you something that uh, I played—I played lock for most of my rugby career, and I've had two kicks charged down. No, I'm aware of that, and that's why I think you're approximately the same tier of, of rugby talent as Francois Stein. 
No, Francine's better than I am. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give that to him. I'll concede. Not by much, though. Yeah, but, but, okay. uh, but I, I'm a, I, I, I'm a better, I'm a better tax accountant, though. Are you still there? I'm still a tax accountant until the end of the month. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, no, but look, okay, uh, rant over. I've, I've simmered down a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm still broadly comfortable with Francois Stan as our backup 12. I, I, do, I don't think we should have taken Esther Hazen. I just don't think we should have played Esther Hazen again after that point. But um, we're like, genuinely, there's a problem here. And I think... Like Ben says, we need to be playing Elton Judge, he's at 22, and Jesse Creel at 23. And those scenarios have been mapped out with Pollard moving to 12 or straight swap on, you know. If, let's say we take Pollard off at 60 minutes, and Elton comes on at, at, uh, at 10, and then the Islander gets injured. I don't see why it's such a big deal for us to move Lucanio Um to 12 and Jesse Creel to 13 in that, like, very unlikely situation, which probably wouldn't happen anyway because we wouldn't be taking Pollard off. Pollard's going to play 80 minutes. If we're playing New Zealand or in a semi-final game, Pollard is playing 80 minutes. So the only scenario we need to worry about with Pollard is if he gets injured. And then you have to have a specialist to replace him. Like it's such an important position, especially in the Springbok Center. You can't have a guy who's fucking part-time, you know, plays 10 on like Sunday morning part-time part-time pastry critic yes. yeah uh, it's, uh, it's unacceptable um, okay I'm gonna stop I'm you genuinely, uh, I'm, I'm gonna stop you there um, <laughs> we, we've just, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself there because I've gotta run off guys I've gotta make yeah. I've gotta make a brunch yeah we've had and obviously I need as you can tell I need a cold shower before I leave mm. um well, Otherwise, on, it's going to be a... On that note, if there's anybody we're going to blame this week for, as part of the uh, Game Blame Game sponsored by Game, it'll be Franz Stein for triggering Alex before his brunch, his big brunch. So, uh, or, or Ben for mixing up Alex Jones' time zones. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's also... Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, I hope he doesn't call me at midnight or whatever and be like, cool, Ben, we're doing this. And then I'll... Because <laughs> I'll be so embarrassed, I guess I'll just have to pretend pretend I'm doing a pod with him. Like, oh, hello, and welcome to... Don't be better. Um, <laughs> do, all, do all the voices. <laughs> uh, <I'm Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then I'll, then I'll have then I'll have him do his bit. Then I'll be like, okay, cool, Alex, you can go now. And then he'll be like, no, I'll stay till the end. And I'll have to talk shit for another hour and two in the morning or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> that on, on that bombshell. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, Alex. If if you, uh, I'll obviously I'll send you a written apology as well. But I just want to apologise. I, I was looking forward to some insights from a New Zealander, and also I really like the New Zealand accent. So um, I feel I'm the biggest loser here in a way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let, let, I guess okay. on that we're going to wrap it up, maybe, Alex. Maybe we can organise something that he phones it in or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a consolation pod. <laughs> Like sloppy second, yeah. Uh, maybe after this again, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Uh, please enjoy your brunch. Mm, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. I'm sure I will. Cool. Um, I'm feeling a bit stronger now after that biryani. Uh, ben, thanks very much. Uh, apart from stuffing up the time, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate you. <laughs> have, I, have, I, have I really added anything to this part? I got like seven Russian names wrong. I fucked up the time. <laughs> no, 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 but you got the whole cr- you, cut, yeah, you spent half of recording in a wind tunnel, yeah. Uh, I was recording in the wind tunnel. I, I got I got out of breath from swinging a golf club three times. Like really, 
I didn't. I wasn't doing God's work today. No, and I was feeling unwell from um, eating biryani um, as a hangover cure. Oh, geez, uh, it was high risk. Uh, if you have been listening this far, thank you so much for doing so. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, Alex Jones, not Alex. It is Alex Jones. Is it Alex Jones? Yeah. Uh, we do apologize. Yeah. We will Infowars. Keep, we, yes, we will get you on. Uh, you can check us on social media. We'll be back next week. It's right for noobs next week. Um, and we have another feature as well, which maybe we'll. Uh, uh, we'll talk about it on the pod as well. But if you have been listening, thanks for joining us. Catch you next week. Cool. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Cheers, cheers. That last, sorry, that sorry, last sorry about like the best work. <laughs> Towards the end, we really heated it up. <laughs> should, <laughs> should, should, should we? Should,